And I learned this in my internship, my junior year. And I tell this to all of our interns at my, at our station is the worst thing that somebody could tell you is no. Welcome to the bears and lions podcast. It's my genuine pleasure to introduce a dear friend of mine for this month's guest session. We're going to be talking with Brett Vickery. She's a TV reporter based out of Milwaukee and someone who I've known for many years when I went back to school for digital media, but she's somebody who's climbed the ranks. She has covered some of the national news stories, and we get to see a little bit of a glimpse of what goes on behind the scenes in the news world. It was very enlightening and encouraging as well, as there are so many real humans that are behind the scenes. And of course, in this day and age where everybody doesn't trust the news, it's really cool to just see how much she cares and puts into each and every one of her stories, and just some of the things that you learn behind the scenes that we don't really think about as normal people watching the news. She also gets to share about how she's climbed the ranks in her career, as well as sharing some tips and tricks along the way, just in pursuit of your career. I was really encouraged by this conversation, and I hope you will be too. For those of you who are watching on YouTube, thank you so much. Please like and subscribe. For those of you who are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, make sure that you follow that link. If you want to find my socials, you can follow me on TikTok or X at Kyle Vott. That's K-Y-L-E-V as in Victor, A-T-T. Or you can find me on Instagram at Kyle underscore Vott. That's V as in Victor, A-T-T. But without further ado, Brett Vickery. Who is Brett Vickery? Now, of course, we got to go through some of your highlights because I've known you for like five years, six years, um, or even more now, I think was... January 2017, I want to say, but now you've grown from when I met you at school. Now you're a news <laughs> reporter, a multimedia journalist, a TV personality. And of course, my favorite, you are my co-host on an ESPN plus show yeah. called Fuse <laughs> for a very short time. But hey, we hung our, uh, we hung our head high there. What a time to be alive. Yeah, that was a good time. I mean, it was a short time, but it counted. You made my reel. So it Oh my gosh. It. So you were all good. Man, that was uh that was a long time That was ago. a really long time yeah, ago. But I need to see this reel. I did not realize that yeah. I made the reel. That I'm actually on there. Oh, you made the reel, you made the website, you made everything. That was before I had an agent to build all that for oh, me. Oh my goodness. But, um uh, yes, I am a reporter now. I'm a, I was a multimedia journalist. So the difference, MMJ, multimedia journalist, when you shoot, write, and edit your own content, you're a one-woman band. And so I did that for a year and a half uh, at a station in Lynchburg, which is where we went to school, uh, following Liberty. Uh, did that for a year and a half, and then I really just wanted to get closer to home, which is Chicago. Um, so my new agent at the time, was like, what about Milwaukee? And I'm like, what's in Milwaukee? Like cheese heads and Aaron Rodgers and beer and things that I didn't think the that Milwaukee I liked. Bucks. Uh, but then, I, well, and I wasn't a Bucks fan yet. Oh. I wasn't a Bucks fan yet. I am now. I love them. But um, so that was in 2021 when they won the championship. So I got to cover all of that. But when I got to Milwaukee, it was just such a hidden gem. It was uh, just the small version of Chicago, Chicago's baby sister. It has the lake, it has the festivals, really great people, really great food. I didn't like beer until I came here. <laughs> now I'm like a beer snob. Um, you remember yeah. that? I did not like beer yeah. in college. You offered me a beer and I said, nope. nope. And you decided <laughs> to drink the, the pink Kool-Aid that comes in a bottle. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, so I've been here for almost, it'll be three years in January. Um, for my first two years, I was an MMJ three days a week. And then I was the morning, weekend morning reporter. So I, it was all fun stuff. You know, the news director at the time, uh, love him to death. And he just saw that I had, um, he was like, I love your personality. I love that you have a background in sports, uh, through college and everything. And he was like, I think you'd be perfect for this. So Got to do a bunch of fun, just interactive live shots. Got to have a big personality and just be myself. So it was a great transition into becoming a reporter, which is what I do now, which is Monday through Friday. Uh, it's called Dayside, so nine to six. So I now have help. I don't have to shoot my own stuff. I have a photographer with me every day. 
Um, but when you have help, typically that means the content isn't as fluffy. That's when you start doing a lot harder news stories. But um, as much as that isn't my wheelhouse, it's a good tool to have. So I, I can confidently say I can be on the Ferris wheel at the state fair one second, and then I can go be in front of a burning building the next hour and hopefully do it very seamlessly. So um, right now it's been a weird transition of changing things and we'll get into that. But right now, day in the life is I wake up with my puppies and my husband and I have my coffee and I talk to God for a little bit. And then I watch the news for a little bit to see what's going on. Then I um, go into a morning meeting, get my assignment. And then it's basically kind of like, all right, you have five hours to produce a minute and a half of television and then go live about it and know everything about it and then go home and do it all over again. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a very fast paced life. For sure. Well, it's interesting that you actually watch the news. I guess that makes sense. It, you know, football players will watch film. Uh, basketball players watch film and watch games back. I guess it just, for me, I never really clicked until you just mentioned that, that you would watch the news. Uh, so it does make sense. It's, it's yeah. practice. Yeah. I mean, and whether it's practice or being in the know, like you kind of look like an idiot in the morning meetings. If someone's like, okay, we have to follow up on, you know, the police chief getting in a car accident. And I'm like, the police chief got into a car accident. Like I look like an idiot if I don't know. So all I have to do is watch for like 30 minutes of like, at least our newscasts. They want us to watch the other newscasts too, like of the other stations, but I don't got time for that. I don't have time for that. Um, I watch our station so I know what our station is working on. So that way, just I'm kind of still in the know. Um, the real news junkies will watch all the other stations, read the newspaper, scroll through social media. And that's just, I'm just not wired like that. So I just know what I need to know so I can get through the day. <laughs> well, I, I, I remember you as that because we were in the same journalism class. And I remember, shout out Dr. Underation. Because uh, Dr. Underation would have those quizzes, those news quizzes, every class. Oh, I yeah. still have yeah. all of my phone notifications where the news pops up every single day. So I haven't turned it off since that class. And every day I get wow. some form of news story from all the different things. Because what we had to like, he had it from newspapers like CNN, CNBC, Fox News, uh, like everything. I omitted that part of my life <laughs> out of my brain. I could not stand that class. And Underation and I have since mended our relationship. But at the time, you remember <laughs> that. I hated that. And I hated, uh, what was it? Um, where you literally did my project for me. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. It, the design oh my gosh, class. yes. That's it was design. the interior design class. Where I was like crying. <laughs> Yes, I, I, I saw I a like, memory Kyle, of that please. this last year where it was like, find you a friend like <laughs> Kyle. Because <laughs> I legitimately yes. was like, hey, I kind of like doing this. And I said, here you go. And I had that. I'll never forget that. And I'll never forget um, Dr. Was it Dr. Kirk's class where you brought Chick-fil-A yes. for the whole class for like your presentation. That's how I knew. We were oh, yeah, friends. that was uh, I. So I. Cause I went back to school at 27. So I was a little bit older. I knew like my mentality is you had to buy. Your yeah. I, 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 I am not here. I am <laughs> not here for, um, straight A's or anything. I'm here to pass my classes and make connections. Like that was what I went to school. That's what I went into debt for was to make connections. And lo and behold, I've made some incredible connections. You being one of them that I, I wouldn't trade it for the world just because you build those friendships. Same thing with Underation. He still likes some of my posts and we haven't talked in a while, but it would be great to just catch up with him because life just moves so quickly. I still have some of my roommates and I that, that yeah. will message back and forth now. And it's just really nice to have those connections. So yeah, I did. I, I walked into some of those classes and was like, I'm going to buy my grade. Like I'm not, I'm not even going to stress this class. <laughs> I'm just going to buy my grade. And you know, in other classes, it was, I can't buy my grade because I remember Dr. Ross. I don't know if you remember Dr. Ross, I'm sure. Um, oh, I But it was like uh, one of the editing classes where it was literally the, it was like the intro of the intro of the intros of editing and premiere. And I just remember doing a like a, a project and I was like, 
I watched a YouTube video and learned the semester in 36 seconds. Like the entire semester was taught to me in 36 seconds. But anyway, that's not to like. And you know what? In the real world, I mean, they use Premiere in like videography and stuff like that. But like, I thought I was going to go in and learn ENPS, which is the like script writing system we used. Right. And then uh, Premiere in news. And I go in and they're not using any (laughs) of that. Like none of it. I'm like, you had us tour this news station and do all the stuff. And you said, this is what they use in the real world. And that was a lie. I had to relearn everything. So it's, yeah, it's totally different. From love, school. love. I mean, the real world's different, but yeah, yeah. Love, love YouTube university as well. I know after, I know after school, yeah. I learned so much in like two weeks of, of just YouTubing stuff versus what I yeah. actually went to school for digital media. So I feel, yeah. Okay. So, right. so let's kind of break down yeah. though, because multimedia journalism, all the things that you learned in the real world, right? The things that you assumed this is what college is going to prepare you. When you decided to go to school for that pursuit, was it something that you knew you wanted to do? Cause I know we've talked about it a lot, but what did you originally want to do kind of yeah. growing up before maybe high school, college? So there was a point, and this isn't a joke, I genuinely wanted to be an astronaut. <laughs> like, legit. I loved space. It wasn't like a corny, like, I want to be an astronaut. I genuinely did. I was, I was like, you know, I'm going to go to the Air Force Academy, all this stuff. And then I realized how much math and, like, physics was involved. And journalists, as we both know, don't do math. So I was like, okay, well, that's out. Then, you know, as many long conversations that we've had, I'm very good at listening and giving feedback and vice versa. And so I was like, maybe I could be a therapist. And then I realized I don't really like hearing everyone's problems. I just like my friends helping them go through their problems. So the therapist thing was out. Um, And then my sophomore year of high school, there was my favorite class was history class besides English. And we had to do a mock broadcast for um, like, you know, we had to do pretend like we were writing a script for, you know, the Declaration of Independence has been signed. Like, what would the anchor say if there was like live broadcast for that? So it was a group of us that we had to write a script for. And I grew up watching my mom's tapes. Like as much as I grew up watching the news in, in Chicago where I grew up, I watched my mom's tapes all the time. And my mom was on the air in the 90s. She was the same thing. Multimedia journalist, reporter, feature reporter uh, was leaning into getting to being an anchor before she um, before she ended up just uh, stepping away. But I knew what it was, what I needed to say. So when we get up there in history class, like I'm like, being an anchor woman and all my peers are just reading her, their flashcards. And I was like, I thought everyone like could do this. And when that was the moment it was like, wait, I can do this. Like not everyone can kind of get in the zone and just deliver something. So that's when I decided I wanted to be on the air. Um, back then I was heavy into athletics. I was an all season athlete. So it was like, volleyball in the spring basketball in the winter um no volleyball in the fall basketball in the winter track and softball in the spring and softball in the summer so I was looking to like be a college athlete for softball was all into sports so I said okay I love sports I love talking let me talk about sports so once I discovered liberty um the softball thing was off the table because their roster was full so I was like okay I could go over here and play for a smaller school or I could go to Liberty and walk on or just not play anymore at all and I picked my career and I'm so thankful God led me to do that because I wouldn't have gotten a quarter of the reps that I got with our sports network at school if I had played division one softball um so went into I mean you remember I don't know if there wasn't more than one game that I ever missed on that campus, whether it was behind the scenes um, or on the air going into sports broadcasting. So I thought it was what I always wanted to do. And then I got an internship and that was at NBC Sports Chicago, which I still don't know how I landed that. It was totally God making that happen. But I was watching these girls on the sidelines and I was like, I, I actually don't want to do this. Like I saw how much statistics and how they needed to know every player from past, present, and future, and the drama, and the stats, and all that stuff. And then I was like, are people even listening to them, you know? So all of that was in my head. I said, okay, like, I 
you know, I don't need it to be about me, but the selfish me was kind of like, I want it to be like a little about me. And sports, when you're talking to Tom Brady after the Super Bowl, you're not looking at me, you're looking at Tom Brady. You don't care about what I'm saying, you just care about his response. So with that, that changed my whole perspective on like what the heck I was going to do. And news was the next thing, but I only had sports on my reel. And I was like, I don't want to do fires and murders and all of that stuff. But I knew that it would open up the box of talking about more than just sports. I knew that there was more opportunities for different stories to be told, even though there is a lot of darkness in news. So I went into news kind of kicking and screaming, but um, it's been worth it so far. It's been hard in some cases, but I've been able to interact and meet and do so many things um, that I wouldn't have been able to do if I didn't. That's incredible. I I always think it's interesting because I was, you know, I, I knew you, when you had that inter internship and when you came back, like this shift in who you were and like what you wanted, mm -hmm. you were like, I don't want this anymore. And I was like, okay, <laughs> what's next though? Like it's, it's okay to give right. something up, but like what, what's the next step? Um, so I remember kind of that wrestle that you had with yourself and in, in preparing yourself and how you went through because I look back and I mean, we've known each other and we've shared a lot. Literally for those of you who are listening, Brett and I used to take a bus from one building to the next building <laughs> in between like classes. We had like 10 minutes to get to the other side of campus to a different class. And we would have the same class in the morning and then we'd take the bus and we'd split and disperse for the rest of the day. So we'd have like a cumulative of like eight minutes to talk to each other. And we would have like these in-depth mm -hmm. of like, what do you want to do with life? What actually matters? Um, what's the purpose? What's the drive? What's the mentality? How's the day going? What's the semester look like? Mm -hmm. We would constantly challenge each other. And I just remember there was a few times where like I'd get off the bus and be like, crap, I'm not living to my potential. Like Brett just like wrecked me and she doesn't even <laughs> realize it. Like she'd call me out. I didn't and, know that. And, and I would just like, the rest of the day be like, okay, I need to do something more. And, and it was actually after one of our bus rides that I was like, okay, I really need to push for lacrosse because lacrosse was coming up and I knew it was coming up and I knew I needed to push for it because I had played lacrosse. I loved it. They didn't have anybody I designated. That. And that was my end to the, the Liberty Flame Sports Network. Um, and I just remember it was a conversation where yeah. you were like, you need to talk to Matt Bird. You need to talk to Matt Bird. You need to talk to Matt Bird. And finally, I was like, I need to stop talking about doing it and just do it. Um, so thank you. You actually had probably impacted me more than I was like, non-negotiable. <laughs> it was non-negotiable. It was definitely, uh, exciting. So you go through all this though, you decide news is going to be where I'm going to go. Of course we wrap up school in 2019 and you kind of move forward. And just from my knowledge of, of your life. Okay. You've done some incredible, incredible things. So tell me about something specifically, whether it's after you left school or while you were at school or even prior to all the different games, because literally you did every game. If it was stagehand, <laughs> we did football together. I, I ran camera. You would be like the uh, stage producer. Like it was literally just every athletic event Brett was involved in. What is something that you accomplished <laughs> that you are just you look back and you're like, I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. I, I did this. Well, talking about like being at every game, like for me, that was, it wasn't work. Cause I loved it. Like I had so much fun. And even when I wasn't into sports anymore, I still like those guys at the football games, like they loved that I cared enough that I would fix their tie in between hits to make sure they weren't looking crazy, you know? And those kinds of things, like I genuinely loved it. But looking back, I did not have the college experience most people had. Like I was grinding the whole entire time. And it was great that we were getting paid for those games because that helped me pay my little college kid bills. But it didn't really matter. I genuinely enjoyed doing it. But it was actually at the, like at the end of my internship, I was talking to the other interns. And, you know, they went to schools like Syracuse or Michigan State, um, all these big schools, you know. And 
I was like, oh, cool. Like, you know, what are your goals going into your senior year? You know, I'm always asking people their goals, but I'm also low key being like, am I going to see you in a couple of years? You know, like, what are you trying to do? And of course, all of them wanted to be on the air because it's very competitive. And so I said, oh, okay, cool. You know, what kind of games do you do? And they're like, well, you know, now that we're seniors, like they might let us go on camera for like maybe one football game or one basketball game. And I was like, you're just starting to be on camera, like just now. And that's when it registered to me of how valuable that my experience was at Liberty was the fact that I've been on camera since I was 18, like live on the air. Like if you mess up, everyone will see it. There's no recording. There's no going back. There's no script. You're just winging it. You have to be yourself, be accurate, know what you're talking about, because everyone will know if you're not being yourself, if you don't know what you're talking about, and if you're not accurate. I had been doing that since I was 18. So then looking back and seeing these people that went to these huge schools, and our school isn't small, but it's not it's not Michigan State or Syracuse, you know, that all of that time and then seeing, reaping the benefits now as an adult, seeing how much that put value in my demo reel, put value in my confidence. I'm so proud of myself that I didn't think twice about, yes, I'm signing up for every single game. There is no like days off. And in adulthood, there still are no days off. Sometimes they are, but you're paid for them. But like, I'm so proud of myself that it was just like, it was non-negotiable of, no, we're doing every single thing. And I'm not going to let my pride get in the way of, am I going to do this game only if I'm on the air and I'm doing what I want to do? It's like, no, if I'm doing this game and I'm getting paid a quarter of the amount and I'm wrapping cables, I'm going to be the best cable wrapper at that game, period. Um, So yeah, so I'm proud of the fact that I didn't have the college experience everyone else did because I'm reaping the benefits now, for sure. Well, I can tell you, you were one of the best cable rappers, period. You, Thank you. You, you, <laughs> you uh, were able to, I just remember there was a few times where you taught me uh, camera stuff because they were like, Kyle, you, we want you to do X, Y, and Z. And I was like, I just want to be involved in any broadcast. And they were like, okay, you can run camera. And I was like, all right. <laughs> but then we ended up working. My favorite though, my favorite experience and favorite game was we did a lacrosse game together and you were the sideline. I was the play by play. And that was, but hands down my favorite broadcast that I've done to this day. And I've done some pretty big broadcasts. I did the uh, field hockey tournament that the big East field hockey tournament. Yeah, I remember and that. I did that with Bobby Bolig. And um, honestly, those, those were so special to me because it wasn't work. It was, I, I finally, yeah. we were finally on a broad, we had talked about it for so long and then we were finally on a broadcast and it was like, every time I would throw it to you, it just felt like perfect because I was like, ah, oh, this is just Brett, like down to you. What's, what's going on? And it was just so seamless. <laughs> um, and I, I will never forget that. I will never, ever forget that. So very yeah. special moments and you should be proud of it because we, even, even I got a bunch of airtime. And I was like two years behind you. So you've got like hours and hours and hours of airtime over uh, what, you know, I was able to accomplish at a younger age. And I went back to school at an older age. So I just kept, I just remember telling all of you, when you get to my age of what I was at at school, you're going to be light years ahead of me. And now look, you're not even at the age I was at when I went back to school. And you're light years ahead of where I was then and light years ahead of where I was or what I, where I am now, as far as like broadcast wise and career wise, I think that's awesome. But we both are moving up in our careers, which we'll talk about that in a little bit. So I'm really excited to see where we go from here. So that's a little bit about what you've done. Let's kind of talk about where you are right now and just some of the day-to-day stuff. Cause I feel like you, you talked about journalism and, and you talked about your assignments and what a day in the life looks like. You wake up, you watch the news, you talk to God, you have your puppies, you've got your husband, incredible people around you, incredible support. But what are some of the things that just inspire you to keep going when, you know, maybe you've had four days of just really hard news that you've had to deal with or, or really hard stories where you've had to go through and see, like you said, the buildings burning. Um, what are some of the things that you do or who are some of the people that inspire you on a daily basis? Well, first answer I would say is my husband. 
Um, my husband, John, and I've known each other since we were like in diapers. It was like a, my dad changed your diapers, your dad changed mine kind of situation because we grew up in the same church. So that was a little weird. <laughs> Did not know I was going to fall in love with the kid down the street because on our bus rides, among all of the deep things we talked about, we also talked about my boy drama. So we know that the kid from down the street was way out of left field. Um, but, you know, there is such thing as like a TV husband or a TV wife. Like it takes a special kind of person to be with someone who is in the public light, to be with someone who gets who gets DMs all the time, someone who uh, people walk up to them randomly in a restaurant or in a grocery store. Um, and especially for a husband, it's like a lot of the people who come up to me, yes, it might be women, but like random men will come up to me and act like they know me. Um, and I need someone who's protective, but also trusts me um, and is not jealous and who is supportive. And that is my husband. And so whether I have like a, a goofy day at work and people are irritating me, he can read me and be like, okay, like whatever you need, I'm going to handle it. If I got to feed the dogs and make dinner because you need to sit and like have a glass of wine for five minutes, like I have zero complaints. He just, he knows me better than I know me. Um, so he's just my biggest support system. Um, and he you also needs someone who's willing to be like, oh, if you know, this station calls and I got to drop everything and go can you drop everything and go because of my career makes me do that. And that was a prerequisite to us getting married was, are you cool with getting up and moving? And it was, he was just like, I will support you wherever we are, wherever we go. I don't care. So he's a total godsend. And uh, he helps me on those harder days. You know, I've every reporter gets the question of like, Oh, what's the co coolest thing you've ever done on the air. And I'm trying to be better at remembering those stories because of course the negative things stick to you more than the positive things. Typically. I mean, trauma usually sticks more to you than like, you know, exuberant joy, unfortunately. And when you're in this job, you see a lot of trauma. You see families like at a crime scene that their family just family member just got killed at screaming, wailing. And you have managers being like, go talk to them. What do I even wow. say? Like, what, what do I say? And then the, the compassion and the Jesus girl in me is like, I just want to go hug these people. I don't want to ask them if they want to go on camera. Like, I don't want to do that, but I'm over here on the clock. So it's a very weird balance. But I would say like some examples of some hard stories is I, I had my first, um, off, like officer killed in the line of duty. Um, incident that I've covered and anchors at the station told me you'll never forget your first one. If you're there just because it's so heavy. Um, it was like four o'clock in the morning in February in Wisconsin. So imagine how frozen I was. And, uh, I got a tip from someone saying like, Oh, there was, there was a shooting. The officer died. Like they're doing the processional to the medical examiner's office, like right now. So I rushed there and I don't know what a processional means. I don't know what that means. I just know that I have to get there so I can capture it. I, at this point, I don't know where my photographer is. It doesn't matter. He's on the way, but I'm there first. And seeing a bunch of the bravest, strongest men and women in our community line our main street in downtown Milwaukee. It's four in the morning. Like it's four in the morning. So it's dead silent. Like you hear a pin drop downtown. It's pitch black out and they're all standing in salute with tears running down their faces. And then you see the ambulance come and, and is bringing the officer down state street. And during that moment, I'm like, okay, I have to capture this. I have to send it back. I have to go live. I have to get the information from the police chief. Like all of this stuff is going on. Oh, by the way, I have to go live. And like half my face isn't even done. So finally we, I, I go live and like, it's very, very fast paced. So I don't really have time to think. And finally I get an hour break after being live on this story from 5 a.m. until 9.30 a.m. And I had an hour break before I had to be live in the midday show. and in that hour, like finally, when I had a second, I just exploded. Like I could not stop crying. And my sweet photographer, who was one of the veterans, 
he was like, is there anything I can do? I'm like, no, I just like got to get this out. Like that was so much. That was so much. And so it's stories like that, that stick with you. And the way that I've coped with that is like, I remember that I'm a, like, I'm a human and all these people are humans, even though they're subjects in my screen. And I've become friends with that police officer's family. I, I went and covered his funeral in response. I've had police officers reach out to me and be like, Hey, like this canine officer passed away. We loved how you honored and covered our brother's funeral. We want you to come and cover this funeral. We want you to come to this police event. Like that allowed me to build a connection with the first responder community that I wasn't really looking for, but it was just cause I was just being me. And I genuinely was just heartbroken over seeing these brave men and women be so vulnerable. And there's more stories I could tell the Waukesha Christmas parade a couple years ago, a guy plowed through a parade and injured 60 plus people and killed six people. And the next day I'm live at 5am in front of the children's hospital reporting live 60 kids are in the hospital because some guy plowed them over. Like it's a lot. And so I confide in, I have, a handful of coworkers that like get that about me, like get my sensitivity to it and encourage me that I should never lose that about myself. I should never lose the human side of me because this job kind of makes you compartmentalize and go numb. And then my, my family, of course, like hears me out all the time, but like my husband, after that police officer, it was like, okay, you want to watch the funeral and sit in your room and watch this and cry? Like, I, I'll let you do that and I'll comfort you when you're done. You know, and that's like what I needed. I needed to get it all out. But also I need someone to tell me, okay, this story, it's not going to change. So turn the news off. We're going to, you can come back to it tomorrow. Like turn it off for the day. And that's another thing of like filtering out of like having the discipline of like shutting it off too, even though I want to know what's going on. I don't need all that trauma either. Um, so my mom always says, thank God you're married. I don't know what I would do if like I had to deal with supporting you all the time. <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's yeah. a lot to go through that people. I, I think most people at least have an idea that news reporters are, are going through, um, you know, a lot of that, but hearing it retold like that, I think it impacts me just from the standpoint of, I mean, I've, I've known news reporters, you being one of them, but I've, I've known of other news reporters. We went to school with a couple of people who did some news as well. Um, and, and just knowing that that's what they go through and what you go through on a daily basis, because again, you don't get to choose is today going to be the happy day where we get to, um, we get to do news at the humane society with all the puppies that are being, you know, they're, they're actually being adopted. And so it's a celebration versus a day when it could be the same news where it's like, you know, we, we have to go and cover something where it's not so great. Um, so that's, it's, it's really good to know as well that there's processing mentalities and compartmentalizing, but also having the people who are able to support you in that. Um, and, and I'm sure that there's mm -hmm. a lot of inspiration um, behind each of those. And you kind of have shared about it as well. But are there things throughout your day where you just think, you know what, this is a non-negotiable, like it's a stressful day, it's a happy day, whatever it is, like this is a non-negotiable. Um, I need to be able to say, I need five minutes to do this. Or is there anything that's non-negotiable throughout your day that you're just like, this is it? I feel like it's, I mean, I always, if, if I'm not having time reading the word, journaling, like I, I'm a being a writer, I can't, I'm not good at just praying in my mind. So I'm a letter writer to God. I write him a letter. Um, so it's either that, or I have a worship session in my car on the way to work. It's one of, one of the two, if not both each day, just so I can get my mind right. Since this job is so unpredictable. Um, other non-negotiable is, uh, drinking a Celsius. So I was not an energy drink person at all. I was totally coffee, but I was the morning show reporter for five or the first five months of this year, which means I had to get up at two 30 in the morning. So coffee was not cutting it for me. 
And um, my photographer, he was like, do you want a Celsius? And I was like, oh, I've heard of these. I've never had one. Well, three o'clock in the morning, I don't eat anything. So I drink a Celsius and I'm putting my mascara on and I'm like this, <laughs> like shaking. And I'm like, uh, to my photographer, his name is Andre. I was like, Andre, do you have any food? <laughs> like I'm shaking right now, but I was awake. Like I was awake, awake. So even when I transitioned to my more nine to six, it's like, I don't drink it in the morning. I drink it like as I'm walking out the door because my days vary depending on the story. And I'm like, I need this kick as I'm going out the door. And I know I'm going to crash before the day is over if I don't have that. I definitely, I don't crash afterwards when I have it in the middle of the day. And I'm already a morning person. Like when I'm out of, out of bed, it's like, I'm awake. It's like, I need it more. So I have the energy to do an interview or deal with a photographer or, you know, to be able to have the focus to write. Like it's not necessarily to wake me up. It's so like, I have that extra pep that I need because when you're, especially with my job, you have to be on like most of the time. So you need energy to maintain that. Well, I, you've always had the energy. In fact, you were the one that got me hooked on chai, <laughs> vanilla chai. I still, I just bought I some. Still, I, I have just some, I, some, I have some here and I will have it probably tomorrow. Um, but yeah, you, you yes. got me hooked on that vanilla chai. And to this day, <laughs> I still am like coffee. Nah, vanilla chai. Oh yeah. I'm good. I'm good yes. to go. Okay. <laughs> so, so in the, in the process of that, okay. So you've got an incredible support system that's going to inspire you daily to keep you going. Uh, Celsius is going to keep you going. This is hashtag not an ad or anything, by the way, Celsius, if you wanted to sponsor me, yeah, figure, figure right. out how to not give you my, me a migraine. And I would love to, um, talk about that, <laughs> but in the, in the process of, of how you stay in the present and in the now, okay. What are just some of the things that you've found help you when you're going, 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 like you said, there's sometimes off days when you're an adult, but really there's no, there's no off days technically as an adult. So what are some of the things that just help you focus? Maybe it is a day where you're not having to do news. So we call those weekends if you're not working in the news cycle because news never stops. But it, what is, what does that look like to you where it's like, okay, this is a technical off day from work but you're still going to be on. How do you stay present in that sense of, Hey, I need to actually fulfill this day with something. Um, you know, do you, do you just veg out with Netflix or is there something that you will pinpoint and say, this is something I need to do? Yeah. I would say sometimes it is the basic of if I have a super busy week and my husband and I, somebody asked me recently, like, what's your hobby? What do you like to do? And, you know, like, I know people say, oh, I like to work out. I like to draw. I like to do all those things. And, you know, I, I do the normal things, but like, is it, I work out because my husband's a personal trainer and it's good to work out. So I don't have an option. So it's not like I do that for fun. Um, but because my life is so fast paced, if there's a day where it's like, okay, we actually have nothing on this day and no one wants, like, we don't have anyone to hang out with. I don't feel bad waking up and sitting on my couch for seven hours. And I used to feel so guilty about that. I used to be like, I just stayed in the same clothes all day. <laughs> and I don't do that for a whole weekend. But there are some times where I'm just like, I refuse to feel bad about this. I refuse to make myself feel bad. Um, sometimes it's like when my when I'm not on call or there's no, um, like I'm not working, that work phone is turned off and put away. I'm not scrolling through emails. I'm not answering text messages. If a manager needs me, find my personal number and find me. But like, there is none of that. I don't watch the news on the weekends. Um, I just shut it all off. And um, my two puppies, Ginger and Violet, they are my little, I mean, emotional support animals. I just hang out with them. And, you know, they become my life at that point. You know, I want you know, we go, we go to the park and run around and we go for walks as family. And, um, and I call my mom every day, to be honest. Um, not that that, like, she helps me stay in the present too, because she helps me like have the big picture. She'll let me vent about something, 
but then she'll remember like, okay, this is what's coming next. Or remember this you have to look forward to, or, you know, she helps me stay grounded as well. I talk to her every single day. And my, I've learned as an adult too, that my family's very weird in the sense that we're like very close. Like I know people like call their mom, but then my husband's like, yeah, I call my mom like once or twice a week or she'll call me. Like, I don't, you know, I'm like, I talk to my mom. I probably talk to my dad, if not every day, every other day, my sisters, we are texting every day in our group chat or on Snapchat. Like there's not a day I don't talk to my, literally my entire family. And I realize how special that is. And so when someone asks me and John, Oh, what's your, what are your hobbies? What do you do? I realize we hang out with our family a ton. Like if we're not hanging out together, we are down in Chicago hanging out at my parents' house with my parents or whichever sister's home or my aunt and uncle who also live in Chicago and my grandma. Like that's our hobby. We hang out with my with my family. And when I'm with them, even though I see them so much, I there's there's no reason to be on my phone. I have no one to text or talk to because I'd be talking to them. So I would say my family keeps me very, very grounded. And I'm you remember back in Virginia, it was like I was okay with being away from home. But once I was at my first station still in Virginia and all my, you, all my college friends left and I didn't really have any family, I was just like, this sucks. Like, I didn't realize how much I loved being close to my family until I got back to the Midwest. So my my bad for abandoning y'all. I I definitely, some of me actually wonders what would have happened if I'd stuck around for maybe another semester um, just to finish out everything like really strong and then also keep, keep working up there. Um, I, I, I sometimes wonder, yeah. but of course it's, it's, it's the ifs in life that we can ask, uh, you know, I wonder if this happened, then what, what else would have happened? And I'm very thankful, uh, that, that I'm where I'm at, but yeah, I definitely missed, I definitely missed that. I'm a, I'm actually really sad that I didn't get back up to Lynchburg to like hang out and see y'all before, uh, you of course moved on to, uh, Milwaukee and some of the other people who I know up there uh, moved on as well. But now I'll be a little bit closer because I'm I'm heading to Baltimore. So I'm uh, super stoked about the opportunity just to be within a day drive, right? Like it's not like a full trip that you have to take. I could drive out there for a football game or something and see everybody. Yeah, I'll make my way back out there. For we'll, sure. we'll plan it out. So we've gone through the past. We've <laughs> yeah. gone through the present, how you stay present. And I think it's important that each and every one of us kind of develop a way to stay present because as much as we don't want to, you know, look at the future and say, oh, you know, these are all the goals that I have in the future. I think there's a a power in being able to stay in the present and say, this is what I'm doing today in order to get there. So let's move kind of forward into the future with that. What are some of the current goals that you may have? And of course, these could be anything um, but what's some of the things that you are striving for right now uh, to set yourself up in the future? I, I would say as, you know, like when you graduate college and I know you went to school later in life, so you knew a little bit more about who you were, but as a dopey 22 year old, it's like, you think, oh, when I'm 18, I'm going to figure out who I am in college. But then like, when you get out of college, you have to discover yourself all over again. and um. I feel like in my adulthood, in like the the trials that I've had in news, because you know, the stories aren't just hard, but you know, you have, it's just like anything, if you're on camera or in front of people, like people are going to have criticism. And I always thought that was about just how you came off on the air. Like, oh, as long as you look good and you sound good and you, you have good energy, like it's cool. But like being on the news is about, I take eight hours a day to produce a minute of television. So those eight hours, and because I went into news kicking and screaming, I was not prepared for that eight hours. I was not prepared for the news gathering process. I I learned more about life and like how like a common council works and the, the chain of command in a police department and all of that stuff. Like I learned more about that in this job than I ever did prior. And so... But also when you come out of college, you're kind of a yes man or a yes woman of just like, yes, you can pay me nothing and I will do all this manual labor. 
yes, you could, you know, I will do whatever you ask me to do because I want my foot in the door. I want this opportunity. And I don't discourage that because sometimes you got to do what you, you know what they say, my dad always says, you got to do what you don't want to do so you can do what you want to do, right? It's so annoying, but it's so (laughs) true of just like, if you can stick it out in the beginning, especially in this this field. And I feel like a lot of people are like, I just want to make a hundred K out of college. And it's like, well, you can't do this job and expect to make a hundred K out of college. And so I say all of that, that, um, throughout adulthood, I've kind of discovered what my brand is and what, like who I want to be. And there are pieces of me that still, maybe I don't want to do this stuff, but I forced myself to still learn how to do it. So I'm well-rounded, but I'm, when I get into an interview now, like if I were to interview for a job, it used to be kind of, I would just say what I know a news director would want to, would want to hear. And it would be true. Like, it wasn't like I was lying saying I couldn't do something that they were asking, but it wasn't who I was. Like I wasn't advocating for my brand and what I bring to the table. I could do the hard news and I could do all of that, but you put me on a roller coaster and ask me to interview someone while we're going in circles I will rock that. Like that is what I want to do. Whether you think that's news or not, that's that's what you that's your opinion, but like I know that that's my wheelhouse. Like that's what I'm good at. And so I feel like I just want to continue doing that and all my next steps of like, you know, and we'll get into more of my next steps in a second, I guess, but um you know, I want to be able to continue to be myself and be true to be like even if I'm not like this person, I'm not like this news person, or I'm not like this, you know, super investigative or breaking news or crime or court, you know, reporter, I'm like confident that what I bring to the table is good enough. And you can use me however you want, but I'm not going to adjust my brand because this is what you think is needed because there's somebody out there that's what you need. And then I'm what you need in a different scenario. I'm just being true to that. So, um, that's something I really want to bring into my future. I also am looking forward to for like stability. So I guess I can get into what's going next. I am, I do have an opportunity to go back home to Chicago. I accepted a, an opportunity to be at an amazing station. I can't talk about it yet because you know, there's still contract stuff, but everyone kind of knows uh, in my inner circle too, that I'm headed back home to Chicago. It was totally a God thing where he plucked me and said, you're going over here. And I, I, they called me, I didn't call them. I didn't apply. I didn't do anything. God just made this like, just happen. Um, but with that, um, where was I going with this? Oh yeah. Um, that I just really want to continue to move forward in that position of being myself. And this was the first interview I was ever in where they were like, yeah, like we could teach you how to do news or like traffic or whatever, but we just kind of need someone who's has a personality and just can be themselves. And I was like, you want me to be me? What a concept. I'm happy to do that. Um, so with that, I want to also get to know my, my city more. I grew up outside of Chicago. So now I'm going to be like really in Chicago. So I want to really get to know my city as well too. Um, so there's a lot. Oh, and last thing I want to be stable and settled with this job. There's always the contract hanging over your head. It's either two or three years. And you're like, okay, am I going to stay? Am I going to go? What's going to happen? Do I stay close to home? Do I go far away? What the opportunities are there going to be? You're like always thinking two years ahead after you sign that contract. You're like, okay, where am I going to be two years from now? And it'll be nice that I know that I want to be close to family. I know this is a station that I want to be at probably for the rest of my career. And so to be able to be like, we're not moving anywhere. If anything, we'll move into a house. We'll raise our family, but we'll just be stable. We won't have to think about what's next and where we're going to be. Um, that's something I'm looking forward to, like building a really good routine and actually being able to discover more about myself when I can actually just not think about where I'll be in the next two years. That's awesome. And, and congratulations as well. I know we've talked a little bit about it um, before the podcast in, 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 it's exciting because we uh, somehow have mirrored each other and we're on a bus ride again because we're both moving pretty much the same exact week, years apart and completely to different cities. But we're, <laughs> we're on a bus ride together again. And it's been awesome just to catch up and 
see all the incredible things that you've done, but also how you've grown. I mean, it's just coming across every single sentence and just every single story that you're sharing. It's just seeing that growth. Because when I did go back to school, of course, I was a little bit older. And you mentioned something. You you go to school thinking you're going to figure out who you are. And then you graduate from college and you realize, oh, I have to figure out who I am now. And something that I've learned is that happens every five, four, seven years or so. And in five or seven years from now, yeah. you're going to say, now it's time to reinvent myself yet again, relearn what I'm doing and developing. Now, it doesn't mean that it's drastic changes, but it's small changes here and there. But I can just see the maturity in where you are now. It's just so encouraging and then exciting. And people don't understand that the listeners of this podcast, I don't think you you understand the impact that Brett's had in the fact that one of my first podcasts I ever did, it was called From the Perimeter Podcast. Brett was our intro voice and and would would say, welcome that. to the, this is the From the Perimeter Podcast oh. with your host, Kyle Vaught. And like, she legitimately, I forgot about she legitimately has wow. been somebody who has instilled just a a joy and then a drive in me for broadcasting because every single time it was the same thing Kyle you're supposed to be doing this and although I haven't taken the direct routes that she has in broadcast I'm now finally in this place of of a podcast where I feel like this is where I was always meant to be and we're 32 episodes in this is episode 32 I can promise you 320 episode 320 is going to look a hundred percent different, but we're going to have to have you back on throughout that time just to see where we're at in 320 episodes from yeah. now. Um, and it's really, it's an honor. So it's, it's really an honor to, to have you back on the show. Now, one of the things I do ask everybody on the, when I do an interview is, is we look at our past, we look at our present. And I think looking at our future is really important but it's how we get to that future point. So I always ask if you could fast forward 10 years and describe what you hope you'll look like. What are you doing today? What do you want to look like? And then what are you doing today to get there? I definitely want to be a mom and I want, you know, I'm, I'm going to be on the morning shift for this new, um, for this new station I'm going to. And I picked mornings one because it's, it's, it's fun. It's usually the lighter, you know, hours of the day and news, but I really want to prioritize my family. I want to be able to have dinner with my kids and go to their track meets or their baseball games and, um, put them to bed at night. And one thing my parents, um, were really good at, especially my dad, um, he was, and I'm learning this more in adulthood too. He was present for everything. Like, he was my, he was my coach and all three of my sister's coaches in something or another at the same time while providing for our family. And now that I see how busy life can be and all the stuff that we did as a family and all the stuff that he was able to be a part of, and then seeing my, even my, my father-in-law worked super hard for over 30 years, provided for his family. And it wasn't like he wasn't present. He was around, but comparing his presence versus how how much my dad made himself available that's like my goal in life is to be able to be as available to my kids so i i'm hoping 10 years from now i don't know how old will i be i'll be 36 so i should have about three kids i'm hoping like a boy and maybe two girls i don't think and that's how it works i just want to be present <laughs> but i i'm asking the lord now i need a boy i have too many women in my family anyway I'm hoping I'm a really present mother. Um, Career-wise, I hope I'm still at the same station, whether I'm in this position or they elevate, elevate me to something else. Like, I don't really care. Like, this um, the place that I'm going is a place that is just known in Chicago and I grew up watching. So it's just an honor to just be in that building. Um, I want to be a really good teammate to my colleagues and, like, bring something that they haven't seen before um, just to continue to enhance the product. Um, and I also like my husband and I were taking five years to, before we have children, we're going to be on year three in June. So we've been together for two and a half years or so. And like, that's what 
that's what we're doing now is like really building the foundation of our marriage because we see it now where our families, our parents are empty nesters and they've all been married for over 31 years. And it's because they all have a foundation. Of course, that's grounded in Christ as well, but they have such a great foundation in their marriage that just because all their kids are gone, that didn't destroy their relationship. And so that's what John and I are doing right now is really building the foundation of our relationship, our friendship. So that way we can be really good parents and be really good together in the future. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to say like how I can be better for my future thing when like the future thing hasn't necessarily happened yet in regards to like my job. Um, I just want to be like the best I can be for my team since I'll be working with people who are a lot older than me who have been in this industry for so long. I'm just looking forward to learning. Um, and I'm going to like soak everything up like a sponge. That's what I intend on doing. So that way I'm good. 10 years from now and I can teach the next generation of people. I, th I think you, you said something specific. You want to learn and, and soak it up. I think that it's, it's always the people who think they know everything or think they know enough that have struggles in that. I I've seen this in my life as I've grown older, I've been that person as well, but I've seen this actually more often than not where you'll have somebody who will just assume they know more. And it's, they won't be able to suck up as much of that knowledge and wisdom and be able to share it or impart it. Um, and, and when I think of just the characteristics of what that would take, you know, some of the things that I always challenge people with is write down and, and actually think about, okay, what would you do today to prepare yourself for tomorrow? Um, in the same sense as if I told you that in 10 months from now, if you can play a piano recital, you'll give you'll be given $10 million if you're able to do this in 10 months. Would you not put in <laughs> daily practice to get better at it? I think it's the same way with our future. If your dream job is ahead of you, or if your opportunities of what you want are ahead of you, you should take time to write down, okay, I don't know what I'm actually working on because I haven't actually thought this out. But if you actually boil it down, okay, patience. What are some of the other things a, a parent has? Presence. Okay, what is that going to take? Your job. Okay, so what is that going to take? This practice. So it's it's boiling those things down because for me personally, I have some of those lists that I've made. And I think monthly I go through and say, okay, what am I doing this oh. month that's going to help me six months from now? So that six years from now, I have a habit that is still going on that I'm subconsciously doing that I don't even have to think about it. Um, so it's a fascinating question. I think they're all valid, uh, exciting things that you have ahead of you. I hated the fact that you were like, where am I going to be at in 10 years? Like 36? Great. So you're essentially going to be my age <laughs> now. <laughs> I'll be 35 in April. So. I'm sorry. Let's go. I mean, we're, we're just a, a small gap. Okay. Everybody. It's a small gap. Hi. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm so glad though, too, because you guys keep me like all of my friends from college, my old roommate, Ben, he's got like a kid and beautiful wife. And he's like, I went back to school for law school. I've got to have him on the podcast at some point if he's ever free. But he's like, I can't believe I'm graduating law school this, like this semester. I'm like, you know what? Nice. <laughs> I'm moving to Baltimore. <laughs> so we all go through our different things. And uh, we we all have our own different time frame. That's not a challenge. Anybody that's listening should know. It may be six months. Everybody grows at a different rate. I've talked about it before, but uh, a tomato plant is like 110 days from seed to fruit produ production. An apple tree takes eight years before an apple can go from seed to a tree to actually produce fruit. So there's there's just different types of plants that you are, uh, everybody gets to grow at a different pace. Now, one of the things that we go through as well is just advice-wise. And I'm curious to know, because we've looked forward 10 years, now let's look back, even it, it could be 10 months, it could be 10 years, it could be however time, what is some advice that you would give to a younger version of yourself? If you went back in time right now, tell me what time of life that you would go back to and what you would tell yourself. I mean, I would say around 
18, like when I was a freshman in college. Um, cause I was ambitious in high school too, but I was just, I was itching to get away from home and I wanted to like get going on being an adult, but I would say two things. I would say at that time in my life, I would tell myself to chill out, like not in a relax and like sit back and do less, but chill out in regards to like putting pressure on myself of like, when I got there, I was like, okay, I'm going to be on camera right away. I'm going to get D1 hockey. I'm going to do men's basketball. And like, you're laughing because you're like, you don't get those gigs until you're like a junior, you know, in regards to like, you know, there's different tiers at Liberty in regards to when you get to be on camera. And they were like, no, you're going to start with D3 women's hockey and you're going to report on that. And I'm like, I know nothing about hockey and I didn't know girls played hockey either. So here we go. But I feel like I put so much pressure on myself. And even in the beginning of my career of like, I want to be here like right now. And I forgot how like much of a baby I was and how young I was. And I would just be like, chill out, dude. Like, you're fine. You're fine. Relax. Like, you don't have to rush. You have so much to learn. Um, and then the other thing uh, that I learned, and I learned this in my internship my junior year, and I tell this to all of our interns at, my, at our station, um, is the worst thing that somebody could tell you is no. And I learned this in my internship because I was seeing, like, they were just making us fetch coffee and, and roll the teleprompter. And I said, I want to go to the Bulls convention. I want to go to the Sox game. I want to go in the Cubs locker room and interview the pitcher. Like, I want to go do that. And I realized that when I went to a photographer who was going out and I said, hey, can I go with you? He goes, sure. And I got to go. I got to go do all of these things. I got to get the stand-ups that I needed. And I realized that the fear of somebody telling you no, all they could tell you is, no, you can't. Okay, that's it. But at least you ask. But if you don't ask, they can't even tell you yes, let alone can they even tell you no. So I feel like that's what I would tell myself even earlier, uh, probably in like high school, when I was just kind of discovering myself or the opportunities I wanted in sports or whatever, or I wanted to be in, in a class leadership position. I wish I knew earlier, like the worst thing somebody could say is no, that's it. So that is such good advice because it's true you never know until you ask and chances are there are quite a few people in every single business every single company that actually want to see people succeed and they want to see people grow especially newer people coming into it and you have to get over that fear of what are they going to say keep keep that in in mind to all the listeners the the worst thing that you can hear is no but you'd be surprised at how many yeses you're going to hear as well along the way. So keep asking, keep asking. Yeah. Um, you're going to hear a lot of no's before you hear yeses, but that one yes may lead you to a relationship or a connection or a person who's going to say, okay, yes, I'm really glad you said that. Let's go do this. Let's, let's go try this out. And then all of a sudden you're on an adventure that you could have never imagined. Um, and so that's excellent, excellent advice. The last thing we do in the podcast, it's the final countdown. It's 10 questions and 60 seconds or less. So if you are ready, okay. you just say, ready? I'm ready. And I'm going to, okay. <laughs> She's like, I'm, I'm not even waiting for it. The final countdown in 60 <laughs> seconds or less. Number 10, what's your favorite candy or sweet? Sour Patch. What color? Blue. Okay. What's the last song you sang out loud? <laughs> uh, Probably Gyra by Maverick City. Something Maverick City. <laughs> Love it. What's your favorite color? Purple. Purple. And that makes sense. You've always been purple, actually. I remember that. Uh, what's your favorite TV show? Friends. R.I.P. Matthew Perry. R.I.P. What's the last movie you saw in theaters? Oppenheimer. Oh, my gosh. Barbieheimer. That was uh, a wild, yeah. <laughs> wild weekend. What's your favorite season? <laughs> Fall, for sure. Love it. Would you like pancakes or waffles? Waffles. So my syrup actually stays on. <laughs> that's actually, I've never heard that, but that that's a really good argument. If your life had a theme song, what would it be? Uh, it would be, I don't know the artist. It's This Is Me by the, with the, in The Greatest Showman, the bearded lady sings it. That's, that's my anthem. I will scream that to the rooftops. That's awesome. What's the worst advice you've ever received? Watch them. So kind of like, 
compare yourself to them and be like them. But it's like they're what there is what they are doing isn't wrong. I choose to stick to my guns, even though people are like, compare yourself to them and you could be like them. But it's like, no, it's not how I would handle it. So And what is the best advice you've ever received? Uh what I just said, the worst thing somebody can tell you is no. I know that was advice that I kind of gave myself and put out to the masses, but I think about that, that I came up with that all the time. And that is hands down the best advice because it's gotten me to the point I'm at now of not being afraid of hearing no. Well, that is going to do it on the final countdown. That's also going to do it for our conversation. I'm so glad that we were here. Now, the only thing that's left is finding out where we can find and follow your journey. Um, you, you've mentioned that you're heading back to town to uh, Chai Town to a chirac yes. as they call it you have the opportunity um now to share just where we can follow you on social media where we can hear your journey and of course when that transition actually takes place because i believe it's happening in a couple weeks um same time that i'm moving yeah. uh where are we gonna go yes yeah so we uh you can follow me brett underscore vickery underscore tv on instagram um, and then you can search me, Brett Vickery, on Facebook as well. And I post all my shenanigans and clips and life updates um, on all of that stuff. I'm also Brett Vickery on uh, X as well. Um, so that's where you can get the big... I will be announcing all of the details very soon. Um, the transition is happening early December, uh, within the first week of December. So right after the Thanksgiving holiday is when we can expect a little bit more news about it. But um, it's a lot of exciting stuff. It's gonna be a whirlwind that we're moving around the holidays and doing all this. I'm like stressed thinking about it, but it's exciting. You know, we we always choose the the wildest times, right? Like, like both you always. and I it just kind of worked out this way. It's like, yeah, okay. Thanksgiving, that's a holiday. Christmas, that's a holiday. Let's just pile a move right in between the two and let's have right. a good time. At least with you, you're going back closer to family. On me, I'm like, I'm 10 hours out. Like, let's go. Like, we're just Bye. out. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you so much.